Welcome back to the Architecture Firm Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Sharp, marketing consultant and strategist for architects. On this episode, I'm chatting to George Bradley from Bradley van der Straten, a small residential firm based in London. George is also half of The Two Architects, a pay-as-you-meet platform where George and his co-founder Ewald meet with clients on an hourly basis to provide online architectural advice. George is also the host of Another Architecture podcast, which he launched in May of last year. And since then, George has interviewed a bunch of amazing architects to discuss their projects and their practices. With each one-hour episode, diving into the detail and challenges of a specific house in that architect's portfolio. I wanted to invite George on to talk about what it's like to explain and discuss architecture in a non-visual medium, his thoughts on podcasting as a communication channel for architecture practices, the advantages of shining the spotlight on other firms rather than his own work, and how The Two Architects allows BVDS to cater to different kinds of clients without it diluting their firm's message. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with George Bradley from Bradley van der Straten Architects. Um, George, how are you going? I'm very good, thank you. Yeah, how are you? Very good, thanks, mate. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, I've been very, very keen to have a chat to you about your podcast. And I have the last couple of episodes of this one. I spoke to another architecture firm that started a podcast. And prior to that, it was also uh, the Design Emotive YouTube channel. So a recent theme of... It's something that's been really interesting to discuss has been, you know, how can we kind of communicate architecture to the general public? And I think that's a topic that a lot of people find very interesting. So I really want to dig into your podcast that you launched last year. So do you want to maybe give like a little bit of backstory on the podcast during the pandemic and kind of where it came from for you? Yeah, sure. Well, firstly, thank you very much for having me on. Um, um, it's, It's great to be invited. Um, yeah, so the podcast is called Another Architecture Podcast. Um, and it, yeah, it did come out of the pandemic. I think the kind of seed of the idea was probably just after that sort of first three weeks of what the hell is going on, the world is falling apart kind of feeling that we, we all were probably having. Um, and um, yeah, I think the, I mean, there's this whole sort of story to the sort of idea of how and why it was set up. But um, I think from a personal point of view it definitely became this just this way of uh I don't know expanding in my kind of very shrunken world at the time and and thinking I can I can talk to people with a shared interest other people that are doing what I'm doing but anywhere in the world it doesn't and I can do it from my bedroom um and it was a very nice way I suppose a, a way of replicating travel in a sense and then sharing that travel with with people that might be interested in listening but I mean you have to remember when I set it up, I didn't know whether there'd be anybody listening, to be honest. So yeah, <laughs> that's the context. And, and I'll see up. if I can like draw some numbers out of you at some point of, as far as like how many people are downloading. But um, but it's so so the, the format of the show basically is, I guess, what's a sort of simple way of describing it from episode to episode, you're featuring an architect that you like and you're obviously in these episodes you're a massive fan of that architect by the sounds of things just listening to you kind of talk about their work. So uh, for the for the listeners, imagine George is kind of a kid in a candy shop getting to talk to his favorite <laughs> architects about his favorite projects. So obviously that was pretty good for for lockdown morale and everything last year, obviously. Um, and each episode kind of centers on, it's typically centers on one house, right? One, one project. Yeah. Occasionally you might touch on 
you know, tell, tell us a little bit more about how your firm operates or how you communicate with clients and things like that. But generally speaking, like the, the sort of the heart of the episode is like one really successful project like that. That's kind of like a, as a way of describing how you've structured the show, that's pretty much what you've kind of put together, right? Yeah, it, it evolved into that. So when I first started, I think the first couple of episodes were more generic and just talking to a practice. And uh, I think I kind of realized and got, you know, had friends that gave advice and things and realized actually to have some a vehicle to provide the structure for the episode. So mm. there's this sense of this sense of repetition and, and knowing, I suppose, if you were going to become a listener and you're going to start listening. And actually, yeah, one house that I I kind of just accidentally realized that nobody else was really doing something like that. So you kind of think, okay, great. That's, that's a good thing. Um, and it's really nice to focus on one thing because with that focus, it's amazing what you find out about people or, or what you find out about where they are, where, what the politics might be like in their region or what the climate mm. is like, or, um, and, but it's all through, there's a structure to it. So I know that every episode I'm going to talk to them about that specific house and we can almost do a walkthrough of it and take listeners through because it's a really interesting format a lot of architects that have come on it's the first time they've ever done a podcast yeah and afterwards we always stay on and chat and um usually stay on and chat longer than the actual episode recording i sometimes think god i should be recording this bit because this is interesting yeah. but um <laughs> but we, we stay on and and they're kind of converted by it they're kind of like i didn't really know how this would work but actually it's very it's a very different medium to talk about architecture than to look at pictures which we're bombarded with all the time you know that's what architecture is known for in terms of the main sort of marketing channel but yeah. talking about it is a very different angle and hopefully yeah. gives a different perspective and i'm so interested to sort of kind of pick apart some of the tactics that you've developed for actually breaking down a building vocally conversationally rather than visually so it seems like like my impression is that you tend to approach the building kind of Room by room seems to be a common approach that you'll kind of go through with the architect. But but I guess talk to me a little bit about, you know, in terms of your game plan in your mind, now that you're getting really good at this and thinking about how the listener, the listener's not looking at the building, you know, they don't, they're not studying it the way that we are. So we have to kind of make sense of it for them and talk through it. And I also have to kind of keep the architect on track that I'm talking to and these kinds of things. But what are some of the, some of the, uh, approaches that you found work quite well when you're picking apart a house and kind of making sense of it in a podcast or a conversation. Um, well, I de definitely trial and error. I wouldn't. I, I kind of that, evolved exactly. and, and learned as I've gone along. Um, but I mean, I, this is going to sound like some sort of uh, shameless plug, but um, part of the sort of backstory was like we, I run a practice with with Ewald van der Straat, and we kind of co-run the practice together. We're best friends, and we go a long way back. And we have real fun with doing the work that we do, but we also have real fun with marketing our practice. We, we love it. Yeah. We love sort of sharing the stories, the process to being quite transparent and letting people in. And, and, and it's a common theme actually with a lot of architects I get on the podcast of moving away from this sense of kind of hierarchy or something with architecture, like it's some sort of special higher art and it's not, we all live in buildings and we all know whether we like a building or whether we don't, and it's, it's all valid. And, um, we had about sort of three or four years ago, we we had a sort of very random opportunity to do a TV program on a channel over in the UK, ITV. Um, and it was a program that was very much kind of not the sort of field that architects would normally go in. It was 
it was prime time kind of evening show and it was all about sort of stories and emotion and it was this designing a house the family moves out they've usually got a, a strong backstory and then they come in and they sort of they're exposed to this house all in one go and there's tears and and it's hosted by this guy who's a kind of it probably kill me to say but a veteran of sort of tv in the, in the uk and we were the kind of sidekick we're the architects that are going to make this happen type people on it and um doing that show was an amazing experience of thinking about a totally different way of communicating architecture and we were on set we were doing what we'd normally do in terms of designs and advising and doing that bit that we feel that we're good at and why we were there but when we were on camera and you'd have directors there and you'd have various people all stood around and they'd sort of script out things for the day of okay then we're going to do the reveal of the new walk-in wardrobe and Alan's going to go, wow. And you'll get, you know, and they give you this kind of setup, but they were constantly bringing us back to what's the geography? What's the narrative? Where are you? Why are you here? Why is this important? And, and it was a very sort of weird twisting for us of you'd normally go into a room and go, no, no, the, the shadow gap here makes the room feel bigger. And we've chosen this color because it's this, so, but it was, they kept saying, well, we need to know, you've just walked through a door, where have you come from? Nobody knows this house. They're yeah. just, they're only following the camera. They're not following a plan. They're not. And so it, you'd change your sort of dialogue and you'd kind yeah. of give a yeah. bit of where you were before and where you were now. And also timeline, because there was, you were filming in various orders and stuff and you had to constantly bring it back to timeline. So that I think has definitely been an influence on then think, I've constantly got like those directors in my head. <laughs> And if I'm talking to an architect, like, where is this architect? What room are they talking about? So I'm often kind of bringing them back and going, hmm, that's interesting, because that's just after you come in the entrance and you've just experienced this. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You do um, that a lot in the podcast. You're always just trying to add that, <laughs> that extra context in there, that missing, that missing thing. And that's, that's such a, that was such good training for you, wasn't it? It's like really, it seems like it directly led to this in a way that, you know, where your, where your approach to talking about houses it's, it's sort of your background and that tv experience really gave you some of those skills that you, you know we're not taught right at architecture school because you know we are looking at a plan we are looking at something on a piece of paper or in a real building mm -hmm. together but you're you're talking about the viewer who's not there they're somewhere else so yes that's really really interesting so you're thinking it's always about trying to connect like this room how does this room connect to this room where did we come from and so, so is that kind of a really big part of the approach? And in fact, is that kind of the main thing that you're focusing on when you're, when you're talking about these projects or does your mind ever go elsewhere in terms of um, like, do you ever sort of stop the architect and think, you know, do you ever try to dig a little bit deeper with them? I'm just kind of interested in your methods for, you know, exploring this stuff. Uh, I, I, I suppose the, <laughs> the ultimate ambition would be how amazing would it be if you, if you know this sounds awful but if you yeah. had a guest on and they were crying that like you'd really got to some amazing kind of yeah. uh, backstory that i'm probably like 10 years away from okay. having the, the skills exactly. and the, the, the audience for okay that. so that's um, really really interesting now why <laughs> why do you think that that would be good right i'm interested because so you're thinking we have a guest and we have an architect on and at some point they kind of like open up emotionally because one thing I did uh, I've, have noticed listening to many episodes of the podcast is that there are some, there are some architects that seem resistant to talking about their feelings. Um, mm. And they maybe talk about their design process in a very uh, problem solution oriented sort of framework, which is fine. And it's, it's good, mm. but 
as a listener and particularly somebody who um, is in architecture but is not really in architecture, I'm not actively practicing architecture, um, I find myself kind of drifting off or losing attention or I'm in the park going, oh, what's that squirrel doing over there? And I've just stopped mm -hmm. listening to the podcast in a way because I think that they're, they're sort of being maybe a little bit analytical and I'm not really getting any sense of, well, what do they actually feel about this? What's exciting? What's mm. sad? What's disappointing? There's that. So is that the kind of thing that you feel, you know, really brings another? I love that idea that you want to get you want to get one of the architects to cry. <laughs> is that <laughs> why is I'll that? Why there, do you, like, why do you think? And why is that? Why is that saying that you think happens later and not now? That's also something I'm kind of curious about. Like, do you think the architects are not at that point, or it's going to take the development for you of like a certain skill set in terms of you know uh, really getting inside their heads? I'd love to know um, how you're going to do it. <laughs> well, I think you definitely, it's ambitious as in to think, um, I mean, so far, everything has completely exceeded anything that I thought it kind of just started out as this thing. And, and it, and when it started out, it was like, how the hell am I going to convince somebody to give up their time and, um, potentially give up part of their respect that they've garnered and by going on a shoddy new podcast and mm. you know that could have been the perception and so as soon as some yeses started coming in it's like oh hang on a minute this is great and then obviously then I sent invites out that said oh I'm doing this podcast I've had these people on as guests and then it gives that certain level of gravitas yeah. I suppose where it's going now is it, it hopefully might start getting to that point where there's and it sort of has in its own small way where people want to be on it and yeah. it's it's not it's not me begging and going please please come on my podcast it's yeah, more yeah definitely. please can we and and it would be lovely to be in that and I suppose when then you've got that gravitas I suppose I'm, I'm a huge fan of I'm a super fan of Desert Island Discs I don't know how big that might be in Australia but um I've come across this, it I, I think it's like pretty big in music right like I see so it's, it, no it's it's um well the, so the format of Desert Island Disc is you have to be pretty damn successful yeah. or respected to, to get on it. And it's, I think it's the oldest radio show in, in the UK or in the world or whatever yeah. it is. And, and that going back to format has a very clear format. You know what to expect. You know that the structure is somebody's going to be fictitiously cast away to a desert island. They've got, oh God, I hope I don't get this wrong as a super fan. This is bad, but they've got eight <laughs> tracks, I think, that they could choose. And yeah. they've got to pick eight tracks and yeah. um and then at the end they also get they get given the bible the complete works of william shakespeare they get to take one other book with them and one luxury item yeah and that's a kind of a great vehicle and a structure for then you find out about the stories of things but what's so amazing about it is the people that present on that are just absolutely incredible at, at just asking the right things giving the right space to people you know they might be talking about a bereaved father or something like that and to talk to have somebody that you're talking to about something as deep and raw as as that and to to kind of go at it with the right sensitivity to to be respectful but also to want to find out more like oh and and it's just little questions like oh that that must have been painful yeah and then you can hear the silence and you just you know that that person is is sat there and it's just like they can't get the words out because somebody has asked them are you okay yeah or that must have been hard or they, they understand and um I know that's extreme. We're talking about architecture. We're not talking about um, and people's lives, but equally we are talking about people's lives in a sense. And I think the story is extremely important. And, and I do really want to hear that from people because, because it's, a, it is about humanizing architecture. We're talking about homes as well. That's the focus of, of the podcast. It's not about 
um, hospitals or art galleries and and big business. It's about designing for family. So the story about that family is is as important as well as the story about the architect. And yeah. Um, and and interesting, actually, yeah. When I started out, it was it wasn't necessary. I didn't have a, uh, an idea that it was just going to be architects. I thought it was going to be clients and what's mm. it like to work with an architect and thing. And then because lots of architects start saying yes, it's like okay, great. This is I've got now a ready crop of uh, content. That's interesting. So you know, when you think about somebody really being emotionally invested in the project, we usually think like in the media around architecture, we think about that always being the client. And we don't really think about the emotional investment of the architect um, as much, you know, even just recently listening to your episode uh, with Nick talking about Grand Designs Australia, um, who I'm going to be in a couple, in a month or so, I'm going to be interviewing again on this podcast, uh, just a little right. plug there. But, um, <laughs> but you know, talking about this idea in Grand Designs as well, that the architect is kind of this like secondary character that plays like a minor role but it's really the hero of the project is the client uh and maybe the builder as well um but you're sort of thinking more about you know this centering it on the on the architect and maybe talking about you know asking them about their bereavement and hearing their voice crack like what where's that idea coming from for you what why do you think that that in so from the sounds of it you sort of talk about it as if I find that really moving in other formats and other structures. And is it just simply a matter of you're kind of curious about what happens when you bring that into architecture or is there something what's kind of driving that, I guess, because I think it's so interesting, like in terms of taking, how do you go? So you go to that level where you find a way to talk about architecture in an interesting way, then talk about architects in an interesting way, and then actually frame them as interesting people um and podcasting as a medium to do that so like what 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 sort of that emotional angle why do you think that that might be like a missing component in the way that we might be communicating architecture um i, I mean that's a very good question um I, th I mean part of it is maybe then going back again to how the podcast formed and in what context it formed it formed in a world that felt like it was falling apart mm. um and in, in a world that felt like we were suddenly all isolated and and a lot of us still are i suppose as well and in one sort of this sounds sort of grand and heroic and it wasn't and part of it this is just on reflection but um just one part of just connecting people again and finding it's all those it's those tiny little things architecture in its own little way can be that one little connecting thread between various communities all all around the world and and ideally you know i'd really like to be having um people on the podcast from all corners of the globe and um you know it's only just sort of really you know 20 episodes is not that many in the grand picture things but um yeah it's the, it, it's that connection that common thread that commonality that um where we can sort of have empathy with with others and and it's and it's again it's a vehicle it's it's just it happens that the, it's a good common thread that it's the architects and talking about the architecture it's i'm definitely not though coming from the angle where i think that architects are underrated and they're not celebrated as the heroes because mm. if if anything like if you know i sometimes feel guilt of you know we get a lot of exposure of projects that we do and there's these sort of poor builders in the background and uh, structural engineers and mechanical engineers and there's a whole team of people that go into projects and the architects generally get a lot of the credit um but also 
what comes with it also gets gets a lot of the slack of if things go wrong it's usually the architect that gets it in the neck as well so there's a lot of emotional kind of drive linked but but designing and building a house is extremely emotional so there has to be some interesting stories in there of um we're talking about people's lives and moving and their dreams and we're talking about architects kind of careers and dreams if if they're like me they'll have you know they'll have been dreaming about doing this career when they were in their teens or in their 20s and now they've actually got the opportunity to do it so there must be some interesting uh emotional yeah. kind of ties um behind it but i'm i i don't want to sort of be caught wrong as in i'm not aiming to um do my next podcast and and aim to make them cry as it's more that if that was a thing that's happening it's like wow that the podcast must have really reached a certain level to be doing it. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. <laughs> well, because you kind of talked a little bit earlier about you, you, you have a kind of an anti-elitist view of architecture, or you prefer it to, you know, to 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 grow in that direction, right? Where there isn't where architects architects aren't this special category of people that are sort of mm. above ordinary society, right? And that maybe the the more transparent approach and through these conversations do you think that maybe they start to become normal people hopefully um i uh, yeah there's definitely a feeling of um with a lot of guests maybe the first sort of few questions it takes a while for them to kind of warm into it and they're obviously following my lead um and some kind of respond in very different ways to others but it is great when you get that sense that they've sort of relaxed a bit they they might be sort of taking the mick out of themselves a bit or yeah. about the sort of whole process of architecture and things um yeah definitely on podcasting because you know you guys at your company have done quite a lot of experimentation with different types of content from <laughs> tv video writing all sorts of different formats and it's not like it's not like it's a uh, one replacing the other to some degree you're kind of still doing all of them but podcasting has kind of emerged as this thing that um fulfills its own kind of special purpose and it's like it, it's doing its own thing i guess what do you say is the sort of unique um the unique positives or benefits of podcasting for what you're trying to do here in terms of communicating these different architects and projects um i think it's a very different medium to to a lot of the other mediums we use in within the practice in the sense that you've got someone's concentrated time a lot more than you have them sort of flicking past an image on Instagram. And um, I, one thing I really like about podcasting is metrics don't really come into play too much. So mm. um, Instagram by its very nature, you can see numbers, you can see how many people's following who, how many people yeah. have liked stuff and everybody can see it. And you naturally just get trapped in a loop of going, you want to get those numbers up or you want to be competitive and you want to, and podcasting is, totally secretive i've got no idea how many people listen to other podcasts and and that's actually quite i think that's quite a nice thing because it means you're generally then not lended towards trying to up those numbers to show off or to do anything you you more focus your focus goes more on just quality and and put out that quality and as long as people like it that's that's good and that that's quite liberating for the for the format hopefully i mean they're probably then going to change it and then they'll become this this, this other thing <laughs> yeah. but, um and you'll start seeing all the numbers and stuff but yeah. um but also yeah it's that concentration of um i'll tell you one experience i had was we use a platform called bowerbird for yeah. for some of our press releasing things and it's an australian um company and um i remember meeting like their a representative in the uk and finding out about it and um 
and then we were kind of curious to sort of set it up I was going to be the person responsible for sort of operating it and setting it up for the practice and they had this podcast which was a series of like 20 15 minute episodes yep. and it's the two guys the two founders and it just went through step by step of step one why press is important step two how to get your photographs um how to commission your photographs step three what to put in you and it was and I just found myself getting quite addicted to it and I was listening to everything I was embedded I signed up to the platform we signed up to the platform I thought these guys were amazing what they were doing and I believed in them but they were also helping me and um and that was long form content is that I suppose that's the term for it isn't it long form content and I you feel like you know these people because yeah. it's like your favorite radio show or something. And, um, and, it, and it felt very useful as well. So, you know, the po- this podcast, it did start out as an idea of an issue. It's going to be something me and Eild were going to do via the practice. And we were maybe going to do a platform where each episode was a, a helpful tip or, you know, sure. how to yeah. design the ultimate utility room and how to do this and how to do that. Um, and that was definitely in response to how good I thought that Bowerbird platform was. So it's, I mean, the idea that there's people that have maybe listened to a lot of these episodes and the idea that then what's that, maybe 20 hours of of them listening to me talking, it's kind of funny, isn't it? Is the you know, yeah, they must definitely feel like they know they know me quite well. So I suppose exactly. there's a knock on it definitely is a knock on effect of when the an inquiry comes in and somebody wants to work with you, it's there's there must you know, there's there's trust there. There's a, a relationship has already been built up without having met or communicated directly yet. Yeah. 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 And I think, I think that's like absolutely spot on. Um, but there's a, there's kind of a, and I'm sure that, you know, architects listening to this are probably thinking, well, you know, as far as it being something that promotes your practice or promotes you as a brand or a person or builds trust with you, um, you know, this idea that you would approach it by interviewing architects, your like competition in a way, not that like, you know, seems like three quarters of the people that you've interviewed are in Australia for some reason. So <laughs> it's not like, you know, you're not, you're not, you're, you're kind of like, you've got your turf, George. Like we, I doubt that your next door, <laughs> the firm down the road is going to be on the podcast anytime soon. But, um, but Neil you Chico know, lives down the road. <laughs> I know that was an exception. I thought Neil on the podcast, he is very close by. Um, so well done there. Very generous, but, um, but it is an interesting approach because it's kind of going, you know, common sense would say, hey, you know, um, maybe the older generation would look at that and be like, well, what are you doing? You're, you're promoting other people. You're talking about these other architects being great and talented and all these things. What are, what are you doing? You're supposed to be talking about how great you are as an architect. So at, at, I guess talk to me a little bit about your thinking around that. Now, I understand that like you kind of did this podcast in some ways initially for your own kind of just joy and as a fun thing to do. But as mm-hmm. far as you continuing to invest time in it and, and seeing the benefits of it, how do you sort of think about, um, you know, what it kind of does for you as a brand or, or how it helps you um, to build your audience? Um, yeah, I mean, firstly, the thing with sort of neighboring architects and things, there are more actually coming up of when it first started out as the, the invites were kind of away from London, because um, in one sense, there was a sort of safety net in I follow a lot of architecture practices in Australia, mm-hmm. but also I knew that I wouldn't be kind of hurt or feel like a failure if they all said no. So yeah. a lot of the early invites I sent out about 10 to, and it was mostly Australian ones. And I sort of just, you just get on this roll of like, great, I could invite them, I could invite them, I could invite them. <laughs> but most of them said yes. So then it was like, oh, 
crap you know you know yeah. that's then it became very australia centered but um and <laughs> and then an australian guest by the way nick brunson coming on to yours he's an excellent um, i know i've had i've had a I, podcast I, guest yeah nick's great um yeah and uh, an australian guest generally by the way extremely i don't know whether you get media training out in australia in architecture <laughs> school but it's so good um but the um yeah i, I don't really care about that I suppose it comes from a point of demand and stuff as a practice, but now I definitely feel like, you know, we should be selected on, on merit. I don't care if somebody knows about another practice like Neil DeShaco lives down the road, who does amazing houses as an incredible architect. Um, if he won somebody over us because I put him on the podcast, I'm extremely happy because I know that he's a very good architect yeah. and we're all in yeah. this community together. And there's thousands of houses being done in London at any one time. And, um, there's there's more than enough room for for us and everybody else um but in terms of the going forwards or what gain there is from a, a brand point of view there's a personal gain of it i got really excited and invigorated by doing this because i think over a few years i'd sort of i always regarded myself as a bit of an outsider in architecture of um i love it but i always felt like am i a true architects i don't seem to love it in the same way that other people do yeah and other people seem to love the detail and seem to love various things and i was like maybe i'm more like i'm very good at sort of i'll do the work and then i switch off and then i'm with my family and i have other hobbies and i have other things and um i don't sort of live in the world of architecture as such um but actually then by doing this podcast i was like oh who am i kidding that's not true i, I do i i am really into this it's just i'm not into certain parts of architecture I suppose I'm not I'm not massively into like the, you know hanging out at events and and talking with other architects mm. thing, but I just love sharing design ideas and sharing things that might yeah. help people that are actually doing their homes and stuff and I love finding out about other architects um but yeah there's this I suppose from a brand point of view it, it's not going to do any harm for people to know that I'm curious if because if you're hiring an architect you know anybody that's going to be doing anything that's creative has to be has to have curiosity it's the number one skill i think probably over anything else and um so i suppose yeah the medium doesn't do any harm in that respect i'm i'm learning all the time i come off every episode i come off and i speak to somebody and i'm inspired of um it it feels very liberated it feels like i've been shaken up of oh you can do stuff a different way it doesn't have to be this way and the the very first episode i did was with wawawa architects yeah. in melbourne and you know the buzz i had coming off that of I, I i could just sense it when i was doing drawings in the months following after that of projects for other people's houses i could sense that i had a little bit of uh well wow a voice in the back of my head saying it doesn't you can do you could do it this way who cares paint the room um yeah. paint the room bright yellow and have a, a cantilevered column sticking out of the bathroom or and, and yeah. do a wavy roof or whatever it was like this liberating feeling and i don't think i would have got that if i just was a fan of Wawawa and just looked at their Instagram. Mm. I got it because I spoke to them. I knew that they were about to have a baby. I I knew that they were funny and um yeah. and lovely engaging people. I could sense that they were they were good bosses. They were good people to work for and that their clients loved them. And all of that came through conversation. It didn't come through looking at images. And yeah. and so hopefully that's maybe that's getting to the nub of it. It's it's then trying to share that enthusiasm and what I'm gaining from it with everybody else. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. 
And so, you know, in terms of those other ideas that you were considering about creating something that was initially you were thinking maybe going to be more educational, has this sort of changed mm. your perspective maybe on, you know, how it feels as a content creator to go down like an education route versus a maybe inspiration or even possibly like entertainment sort of wrote probably more inspiration than anything. Um, mm -hmm. although not, not to say that the way that you're approaching interviews isn't also very educational, but do you, mm. you know, we're generally drawn as content makers towards how to do this tips to do that. Um, do you feel like you've kind of, you've kind of gone to a different place with it where you feel like there's just a different direction to go as a content creator? Do you kind of look on maybe that educate the direct or straightforward educational stuff a little bit differently than you did before going on this journey with the podcast? Um, yeah, definitely. I think, um, I'm speaking to people that are extremely successful, extremely talented, and I can't, it'd be undeniable to say that I'm not taking away something from that, from speaking to all these people and being influenced. Um, and yeah, and a lot of these people, they, um, it comes from the, there's a there's a very good blog post of, of yours that that where you talk about um you know focusing on how you're selling your architecture and don't focus on the process and the strategy for delivering the project focus on the sort of i can't remember you you, you use the wording way better than me but focus on the dream um focus on the what you're giving in terms of the the design and the vision and generally they should trust that they see pictures on the website they see your client test i'll trust that therefore the process must be good so um, and yeah, though, so as a practice, we're definitely having a bit more of a focus towards that way because demand is massively increasing for us at the moment. We're incredibly lucky in that sense. And I, I think put it in a very literal way, if, if we're very, if we were sort of younger and we were really needed the work, we were a newer practice, we'd probably be selling, look, we'll do this for you. We'll do this for you. We'll do that for you. We'll monitor these spreadsheets for you. We'll, we'll assist you. We'll even walk you through the door when you, when you've got the home and we'll carry your luggage for you. And, you know, you want to sort of do all this stuff. Yeah. Whereas then I suppose once you've got a bit more confidence and you've got a bit more demand and things, we, we do all that stuff anyway. And we know we do all that stuff and we know we're good at that stuff, but maybe we don't need to, maybe we don't need to shout about that stuff as much as just inspiring how a house is transformed and the and the that very initial part of design does that answer the question yeah um, it's no it's, yeah. it is it is interesting because i think there's like this kind of there's the, there is this journey that you go through as a content creator because you guys have already sort of paid your dues in the sort of educational like tips and stuff space i mean that's something that you've kind of gone through um but i think the strategy that you're approaching right now it feels to me like it's uh, in combination with the other things that you're doing, like two architects, which we'll talk about. Um, yep. It's really, it, it's really interesting because it's much more of a, much more of a draw for people because of that inspirational aspect of things. Um, but it's, it's interesting. Like I could imagine that if you were starting a studio today, it probably wouldn't hurt you to go around to a bunch of very prominent, well-known architects that have large audiences and large channels and interview them and get cross promoted mm -hmm to their audiences and start to actually build a profile that way. So, I mean, it must be the case that, you know, any new listeners or any new audience that you're gaining could be coming through, you know, discovery through the Apple podcast store, or they could be discovering you through Spotify. But I can imagine that a big part of it is also that the architects that you're interviewing are sharing the podcast, they're promoting the podcast, and that's actually helping to introduce people to your brand for the first time, right? Yeah, I think that was a, 
one sort of discovery part very early on of setting up the podcast is a the realizing no one else is doing this yeah and b realizing that actually these people that i was in my own sort of way idolizing and thinking they're going to reject me and they're not going to be interested because they're too busy mm. actually haven't been asked by anybody to go on a podcast no very few people it's like this this is gold dust yeah i was like i can talk to well wow architects and yeah. um they'll come on my podcast and then they'll i can't remember whether with them but uh, i don't want to say they hadn't been invited before but lots of them um you know i'll ask them before have you done one podcast before no i haven't and you're like you're sat there thinking god you look at their instagram and think of the thousands of people that yeah. are following them that talk about them all over the globe you know and it, it's in its own in the small sort of field that we're in of residential architecture i don't want to sort of overplay it but you know, some of these people are kind of like celebrities in their own sort of right of um of what they're of what they're doing. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't. Celebrity sounds like a very actually derogatory and empty term to use, but you know what I mean. The people, I'll people use an really even more shallow term: love... influencers. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> but yeah, but they, you know, people people follow these these architects and absolutely love and are inspired by what they're doing, and but they're not they're not being given a platform to for for actual content and also. We, you know, we do so much press and we, you know, when we put out yeah. a project, the amount of times that a project gets published and it's just the, the text that I've prepared and written saying yeah. the family moved here and da, 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 and it's just copy and pasted onto that platform, onto yeah. these sort of websites all over the world. That's not telling anybody anything. All it's doing yeah. is repeating what I've said about the projects yeah. and the gold dust projects are like, or press, uh, let's say like the Sunday Times newspaper over here in the UK where you get a journalist that comes on, interviews the family, interviews the architect, visits the house, and they tell a story. Mm. And the podcast is another way of doing that and giving people that kind of rich, um, in-depth inquiry into how they work and 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 hopefully advertising their practice and their, and their work, which I'm more than happy to do because they are all talented and um, yeah, bit by bit making the world better in terms of nicer homes and, yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I think you also develop your cherry picking architects that you like that align with you like their work. Like it's in your style to put it kind of simply, like in terms of this is the sort of stuff I like. And you're looking to align yourself with clients who also kind of have similar tastes and like the same kinds of things. And they like the yellow room and the the column or whatever. So by uh, by creating this podcast where you're kind of curating and collecting the voices of all these interesting architects that suit your kind of architectural agenda, so to speak, um, it actually creates a little bit of a, uh, like a honeypot for ideal clients to come <laughs> along and listen to you because you're going, we're doing everything we can over here to be as interesting as we can possibly be. And we're putting out loads of stuff and images and all that's there for you to enjoy. But guess what else we've got? We've also got a stacked lineup of fascinating, wonderful, amazing architects that you can also come and enjoy. It's just like the ultimate good client attractant, in my opinion. And, you know, I even sort of, I'm, I sort of do this podcast for the same reason that I, I talk to architects that I think are interesting, that I think have a really good positive attitude to business and marketing and the internet and all these kinds of things and technology. And because I want to be able to attract architects to, to my audience that have that same sort of outlook and they, they like, they find it interesting when an architect starts a podcast or does these kinds of things. So it's, it's a way of you kind of bringing those people across, but I really love your comments about 
you know, the fact that you start turning up in the architecture media and you go, wait a minute, is anybody writing any of this stuff down? Like, does, is anyone recording? <laughs> There's nothing here. It's, it's very, um, it's like, you know, today's, today's um, not, not to disparage the architecture publications, but it's like a popular project today is like tomorrow's chip paper, the way that it kind of gets, mm. you know, gets fed through um, from the magazines to the online to Instagram and everything. And, you know, in the podcast space, I think that's probably, uh, I mean, I guess you're being kind of ironic with another architecture podcast. You're like, you know, quite frankly, you're probably in a, in a company of about six different podcasts on the planet to do with residential architecture. There's just basically nothing out there. Um, and so that's quite shocking, isn't it? I mean, that you can come along and basically go, I'm going to sort of, plant my flag here expecting to find a bunch of other people and you go wait a minute nobody else is doing this like Dazine don't even have a podcast as far as i know you know uh, like there's they just... so it actually they, do do they? they, they start oh god they started well, up in like january they started up in january <laughs> and i remember when i was setting this one up i felt this urgency of okay everybody's going to be doing this because it's locked yeah. down and everyone's stuck yeah, at yeah. home so yeah. obviously the natural medium is you interview people over the internet yeah so i thought okay everyone's going to do one of these I, I, I want to be, I want to sort of get it out there. I think it's a good idea. I want to get it out there before somebody else has um, a residential interviewing. Da, da, da. And, and at the time, the two reference points of doing what was similar to what I was doing was Dazeen and the Modern House, which are state yeah. agents yeah, yeah, in yeah. the UK. And, and theirs is very much based on the Desert Island Disc format of they yeah. ask somebody to know. And the Dazeen one is just is is awesome like there's there's an amazing episode on there with david chipperfield and and it's like okay that's massive league i'm never ever gonna yeah the, the real like kind of big names right yeah i mean what a platform and you know what kind of yeah skills they can have for interviewing and all that sort of stuff and who they can get on but the really interesting thing that happened was they were all set, they must have all been set up for before lockdown because the interviews were done in person and you buy you know, I learned all this on the sort of fly, but you have a yeah. certain kit for recording in person. It's very different to the kit yeah. you'd have for. Of course, yeah. And and they had these first six episodes. They were incredible with amazing people. And then suddenly, I sort of noticed I haven't posted another episode for a while. And then just as I launched my one, there were no um, they were done. No new episodes. And I don't yeah. think they've done any since. And I don't know whether that was because to them, lockdown was oh well, we can't do this anymore, so we'll just have to wait. <laughs> Whereas to me, it's like. Here we go. Everyone's Here we sort go. Of one away. Let's see. Yeah. And then, so maybe what I should have done is marketed. Are you missing the Dazine podcast? Do you, do you need? Is the Dazine podcast not Australian enough for you? Then come over to another architecture. So then, yeah. So then I realized, okay, maybe everyone else isn't doing this. Maybe I don't need to be in such a hurry. <laughs> yeah. Because there's actually, I, I, I don't know. I feel I feel like within, are there any other podcasts that are like within the res, like the modern, the modern home, is it modern home or modern house? I modern house. Think. Modern house. Modern house. Is that, <laughs> is that like fairly similar in terms of it sits inside this kind of residential thing? Cause that's kind of their business. That's their niche. Um, aside from that, is there any, are there any other, who else is your main competitor? Are you pretty much top dog at this point? 19 episodes in. <laughs> No, I don't think Are you the, so. are you think, the Joe uh, Rogan of architectural if, podcasting? If, <laughs> if you picked like a set of parameters and narrowed it down of the only podcast. If you niche down enough. Interview yeah. somebody. <laughs> yeah. It's one it's house. Based, and based it's this, in the UK. I might, I might come in a chart somewhere. <laughs> yeah. But I'm sure, I'm sure, I, I'm sure I don't. Um, but um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm quite a lazy podcaster in a sense of like, I don't 
do what I maybe should do and listen for loads of other podcasts. Um, yeah, same. I don't, I don't put a lot of effort into um, marketing, but I think I maybe should start doing that now. It's, it gets a bit kind of, it sometimes goes a bit sort of lazy. But one thing I am good at is, I think I'm good at is, I stick to a routine. I get, I get the episodes out. And the number one thing is, you know, it's to have a podcast, you have to have the interviews. Everything else, it, in my opinion, is sort of superficial to that. Yep. If there's the audio there, great. Everything else is a bonus of whether yep. you sort of do the Instagram thing and do other stuff. Um, but I think in reference to some of the other questions you've been asking as well, it's a really interesting thing about the podcast of why it's kind of been slightly different in terms of how it approaches things, et cetera, is because it has psychologically been definitely a project that's been a personal thing that's separate to what I'm doing with, with BVDS. Mm. And the reason why that's affected things is it's just, um, it's been quite a liberating thing to, to actually do when, when working with, um, with BVDS, there's a whole sort of team that me and Ewald are responsible to, and we're responsible for each other. And there's lots of things to consider of, you don't want to, I wouldn't just rogue put out um, some marketing content on our Instagram. That's my own sort of personal view without kind of feeling like, you know, yeah. I've got to cross check this because the people that work for us, it's their sort of ambition to, they would have chosen to work with us because of the types of things we do. If I suddenly started splurging loads of posts about, uh, I don't know, hospital designs and they might be like, well, hang on yeah. a minute, that doesn't really kind of align with what we've signed up for. Whereas here I can just, I don't have to worry about any of that. So although there is that knock on effect of branding and clients and, and audience and things, I actually also don't have to worry about that too much. I It's pure pleasure. I'm purely choosing who I would really like on and, and, and what I'd like to talk about. And I think I've learned that actually that's incredibly important as well. And, um, you know, maybe if that's a tip to other people, but it's quite good to have these little separate things because then the time I put into it is my own. I don't ever feel like it's work because psychologically I'm not kind of logging it as work. I'm just doing yeah. it in my own time. And that suddenly that was maybe the switch where I was talking before about do I love architecture, do I not or whatever. It's this is the first time I'm doing something that feels like it's actually hobby time rather than work time and I'm willingly doing it. So that's clearly a good um a good sign. Yeah. I don't think that is a really good tip for people to actually create that separation. Um separate it enough from your business. It's still related and it still serves the business um in the long term. Um, mm. but it isn't you you've got it in a different part of your brain. It's in the fun part where you're just having fun and you're trying to just do yeah. something that you enjoy and that you're passionate about. And people always struggle to think about, well, I need to do some form of maybe some writing or something for my for my business. Maybe a marketing person is like, you know, harassing them saying you have to write, saying you have to start a blog, you have to have a newsletter. Mm. And it's always this very forced thing and it kind of feels like a chore mm. and you go to pick your kind of topics and it's like, oh, well, you know, what what, what can I kind of get myself through and put out and create? Um, and that's not very good marketing, right? It's not going to be very good content. Right. It's not going to be very enjoyable for people. You're much better off thinking, okay, putting, putting the business marketing stuff aside, what's something that I could do that I would enjoy or be passionate about that relates to this area of work that hopefully that you still find some joy in. But I think your comments about not feeling like maybe the complete insider in the industry and that you maybe did feel a bit different to it is actually still kind of quite interesting because you still, you kind of in this project sort of explored what am I passionate about 
and kind of reconnected with that by doing it, which is really fascinating. Mm. So very, very interesting. And you guys have done a little bit of this um, with, you've got BVDS and now you've got this George, George Bradley, another architecture podcast brand. Then you guys have George and Ewald, which is kind of a separate project altogether. Then you've got the two architects and the two architects is its own sort of has separated off on its own little satellite. So you've got the core brand, like the mothership, and then you're doing these little side projects and each of them, like I remember when I first started kind of working together, it was like, how many, I, I would have to open my tabs before each meeting, open up all your, or open up all your social medias, all your things. And what I'm opening up is they've got three websites. They've got like six and a half Instagram accounts. They've got three YouTube channels, like, uh, like one, one little office of, you know, whatever, five to 10 people, but you've got this multiple, multiple thing going on in your online because you've set up these different identities that kind of keep them all sort of, what's the word for that? I guess it's like a quarantine. They're kind of quarantined from each other and that mm. you don't have these issues. So I guess your, your, your practice is pretty unique in how you've done that. So maybe do you want to talk a little bit, I guess, firstly about what the two architects is now that I've brought it up, but also I guess how you think about creating doing side projects and having them be separate from the practice and that not everything has to be part of the main practice. Um, yeah, of course. So the two architects um, is again, a lockdown project, something that me yep. and Ewald set up together. And um, again, an idea of something that we were kind of half doing and then realizing, okay, no one else is really doing this, um, but it's a platform that we refer to it as it's a pay per meet um, mm. platform. And again, it comes back to our experience, I think, with doing that TV show. And the, the thing with the TV show was before doing the TV show, we had maybe an audience at the time of maybe there's 2000 people following us on Instagram at the time, yeah. let's say. Um, and, but our main audience is generally the client that sat in front of us in a meeting. And there's only so many of those people you can talk to in any given month because of time limitations yeah. and the number yeah. of people. The TV show was when it was airing was going to two and a half, three million people per episode each time it was going out. And you suddenly realize, okay, if you say a tip here or if you talk about something here, that's going to a hell of a lot more people. And it's going to probably very different people to the people that are coming to us as a client. And we, we knew that because the producers would sort of tell us what the demographic of the show was kind of like and what the kind of people that would be watching it. And it was definitely not the sort of cliche um, let's say London based clients that are, that we would be attracting as, as a practice. And so that obviously there's, there's this thinking of, okay, well, if we're doing stuff, we're learning things. We think it's good and beneficial stuff. Um, but there's only a very narrow field of people that are benefiting from that. Whereas on this TV platform, hopefully a lot of people can benefit from it. I'm sure a large proportion of the two and a half million people watching probably going, well, that's a load of rubbish. The idea of the two architects was in some sort of way um kind of distributing it out a little bit um to to more people but obviously not that, that many people but um of finding something where people can sort of tap into what we're doing but in a lot less pressured situation of signing up to a studio and um and we're, we're only five people we're we have a lot of demand there's only a certain amount of projects that we can take on and we're selective about those projects and we want to make sure that we're the right fit for people and that they're the right fit for us and um and that we're they're going to benefit from a very kind of thorough and detailed service that that we do um but there are other people that that 
might have a, a lot less money to spend and a lot smaller project, but but they still want the design ideas. They still want, um, they still love what we do and what we can hopefully bring to the table. And we were like, well, how can we bring that to, to people in an affordable way? So let's say we're doing a project that's 300,000 pounds in the studio. Um, we're set up for that and we can, you know, the way we work and the level of detail we could give our fees are gonna be sort of relative that that works. Yeah. If they've got 50,000 to spend, um, I think it sounds extremely insulting. And we hear it a lot where we get people come into us and go, we can't find anyone to work on this. Nobody will take it on. They tell us we haven't got enough money or it's too little or we're not interested. And to somebody that's probably spent 10 years saving up 50,000 pounds to spend on a house and it's a hell of a lot of money, in a sense, it's kind of, it's not the architect's fault because it's the way they're set yeah. up, but it's also a It's a bit level, belittling. It's kind of insulting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> and I suppose the, the two architects platform is sort of saying, it doesn't matter. Like it could be, it could be 10,000 pounds. It could be 200,000 pounds. All you're doing on this platform is you're coming along, you pay for an hour, you get me or Ewald, and we will, we, because we know it's an hour, the pressure's on us, the adrenaline's there, we will sort <laughs> that project out. And, um, but we will also tell people if they come to us and it's like, they're trying to do a million pound house and they're, and they're trying to do it on the Yeah, cheap, you're like, oh, we will, come we, on. You know, we're <laughs> like, what are you doing? This is not the platform for you. Um, <laughs> but we, you know, we'll give you, we'll give you the advice that you want in the hour, but we'll be clear. We won't just take on anything just for the sake of the, the buck. But um. Yeah, so we're doing these projects with people where it's, you know, we might have a chat with them. We draw on screen, we invest in these tablets. So it's very interactive, very transparent. And people are like, the feedback people are giving are like, you know, somebody was saying, oh, we love the transactional nature of it. It's, it, it's very immediate because of the time frame. And um, so they, they upload things onto this scheduling platform. They give us, you know, what I was talking about before about the emotional stories that you want to get from people in terms of on the podcast. We're getting it through this platform. Like we ask, they get prompted questions like, could you upload some pictures? Tell us a bit about the family. We hear about like their hobbies. We hear about what they're sort of stressed about. We hear about what they're worried about. And people give, give a lot. And, but then when we're meeting them, we've already got that information so we can get straight to the point we then get to sort of sharing some estate agent, realtor, whatever plans on the screen and drawing over going, well, if you move the kitchen here and if you knocked this wall out and you did this, and then it's it becomes this um, uh, very inspired by your service actually as well, Dave, of this, this sort of accountability type platform of somebody can then book in in three weeks time and have another meeting with us. Yeah. But in the meantime, we'll have followed up with an email and said, right, you need to get a measured survey you need yep. to have a chat with your builder about what we talked about and see what they say about this. Speak to your neighbor and get to the showroom and start thinking about this. So they're like, great, they've got, they've got some <laughs> tasks. They're doing the heavy lifting. We're just making them accountable for it and steering them. And the heavy lifting is what we would normally do in the studio. So that's where they're saving that money. So for a fraction of costs, they're getting yep. that kind of design impact. But the what's interesting then about the two architects is having it as a separate website and a platform is yeah. in the same way that the podcast for me gives just another outlet where I don't have to worry about too much stuff because it's just me for me and Ewald we found we always struggled with this on this being on this precipice borderline of we want to talk to the clients that that we attract and that we want to be attracting the work we want to be doing for BBS but we were also trying to talk to this two and a half million type yeah. viewers that are based all over the uk and of, of different kind of financial means and whatnot and and in some ways there's like conflicts and and sort of almost don't align as soon as we set up the two architects we suddenly it was like a sigh of relief of we could talk about whatever on here and we can give someone yeah. a tip of 
Hey, don't, why have you got your washing machine in the kitchen? Move it upstairs on the same floor as bedrooms. It'll save you kitchen space and your laundry is <laughs> right next to the rooms where you want them. And that's like, people love tips like that. Yeah. But maybe they don't want to, they don't really need to hear that on the BVDS platform. So yeah. yeah so on the two architects, you'll, you'll probably hear about washing machines <laughs> and on BVDS, you'll probably Boom. hear about, um, how to add a swimming pool to your roof move your porsche upstairs in the porsche lift and you'll have more and you'll have more space downstairs for your peloton bike so that's like more of that kind of advice right that's great so so that's right you can kind of um you can have different i guess different messages different personalities they share similar values right like you've got some you've got maybe you know, 50, 60% of the message is the same, but there's just these little, these little bits that just are a bit more relevant and catered to those groups of people who maybe want different things or need different things from you. So that's really, really interesting. So, I mean, yeah. yes, if you tried to, if, you know, if the two architects was another page on your website at BVDS, it would be quite hard to actually integrate that into, into your business overall, wouldn't it? Cause you, you kind of, have to always be deciding are we going to talk about one or the other who are we really speaking to here yeah definitely. always kind of become a challenge so uh, as far as um as far as like uh, what comes with that and i guess talking about that, i guess the downside of doing uh, i guess some of the problems of having multiple brands that you're maintaining that each have a number of social media accounts and their own types of content that you have to make and the podcast and two architects and all that sort of stuff in BVDS. I guess it begs the question. I think what everyone's always probably going to be thinking, listening to somebody like you, George, is like, well, how do they actually like find time to do this? Um, and, you know, it seems like how could you possibly maintain all of that stuff within the work week? Um, it's not like you guys have an army of, you know, social media interns or anything. Um, mm -hmm. So, I mean, how do you kind of, I know that you don't have like necessarily the answer to this, but I suppose what are some of your strategies of maybe like dividing this stuff up or how much time do you, do you sort of budget for these kinds of marketing tasks? Um, yeah, I mean, behind the scenes, it's very kind of um, methodical and organized in terms of how time's proportioned. It's, hmm. um, and yeah, I think, yeah, I can, I can see maybe when you sort of put it in that way and looking from the outside, there's a lot of stuff going on. And yeah, um, we've definitely had a history of, you mentioned before, you know, like all these different platforms and YouTube stuff and things of, I suppose, a trial and error phase of just give stuff a go and it's fun. And, and particularly during the lockdown, you know, we had loads, loads of stuff just stopped overnight. So we actually had time. We had less time because we were suddenly having to homeschool and do all the various things and not leave the house. Yeah. But even still, we still had more time that's just not on projects because there wasn't stuff to work on. Um, but the reality is now coming into this year is it's it's just about jettisoning things and going, okay, now we're now we're at that phase. Okay, this is what we're going to focus on. This is what we're going to not spend time on anymore. And we don't like, a, you know, me and Ewald are very excitable and we get distracted and we go off and do these sort of things. And um, but very much more like you know, I've got two kids. Ewald has now got two kids. He had a newborn about three months ago and that focuses the mind um, massively. So we have a sort of structured timetable of, we don't work full time on, on BVDS. Now we've, we've given a lot more kind of leadership and accountability to the people in our team. Cause we've, we've got this amazing um, and very experienced and talented 
team now, which is a different mm. place to where we were five years ago. We were very much a practice of, um, you know, people would join us after graduating and they'd learn, learn with us, yeah. which took a lot of, you know, it takes, that takes effort and, um, and they're learning, you know, all the time they're learning from people that are learning as well. You know, we were still, <laughs> we were quite young and new to things. Um, and whereas now we've got, I mean, we have, we're only a team of five. So it's me and Ewolds, then three employees, two of those employees are associates. So we're a very sort of top heavy yeah. and they're very experienced associates and, um, and very talented. And we've started sort of distributing things. So we have a very clear structure of you know, somebody I'm responsible for marketing. Somebody else is responsible for operations, somebody else for sales and somebody else for finance. And we all wear these kind of hats when we come together in sort of team meetings. But over the sort of 10 years that we've had the practice, we've, we've worked towards being able to be set up so that we can not have to work a full-time week. Yeah. And, and we've always been a very good practice to that. We don't do, we don't have a culture of overtime. We're very against that. And I was lucky enough to, I used to work for an Australian practice in, in the UK, Denton Corker Marshall, and oh. before we set up and I was, I was really lucky there of, they were also very well organized and I didn't, ever have to fall into that trap that it seems like it's the norm you work in architecture you have to work all hours god sends and you're you're lucky enough to to be working in this design firm and da, da, da. i think that's all utter utter i might not swear on this podcast <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> yeah, utter bullshit um <laughs> it's total bullshit and it's you ca- if i was a client and i was coming to a practice that is going to work creatively on my project and i knew that those people we're not allowed to go away and experience other things at weekends and go skateboarding and go to art galleries and go out for meals because they're stuck behind a computer working on CAD. How on earth can they be the right creative people to design my home? Mm. Um, sorry, I, I'm not going to go off on a rant there, but I've, no, I've been really it. lucky that I never had to. And we were like, we don't want our team to have to. Yeah. But me and he will benefit from that. We hopefully lead by example and we do the same. So we work up kind of, you know, maybe a three and a half day week on BVDS and, and we're very well set up that we give a, you know, very focused time to the clients there. Then the time that we do with the two architects is apportioned separately. And then the podcast for me is just in my own time. Yeah. Um, but I, one sort of personal aspect of it is um, it's my partner. My wife is incredibly supportive and amazing. And, um, you know, she knew when I was setting up the podcast that, um, she understood it and she understood why I wanted to do it. And um, it's, impo- you know, two children and a family, it's impossible to do as well as having good kind of organized structure and support within our team. And l- l- we listen to each other and we try and identify if someone else is busy and we'll kind of chip in and balance things out or lower expectations. Um, but it's the same, I suppose, within our family. And like my wife's amazing with that of, um, you know, we'll, ap- we'll always make sure that, you know, if, if I've got a bit of time, you know like i have now i'm doing this and she's sort of dropping kids off or whatever but then the same reciprocated and that takes organization i think um but i'm not um i hate uh mobile phones i hate uh social media addiction and all that sort of stuff i'm really kind of so i'm not although we do pump out a lot of this stuff we sort of do it in a in quite um a controlled yeah, a control way, or we're trying to control it more. Like Ewolds, for example, has done a lot of that kind of stuff, particularly with, with Instagram and and Twitter and and things like that. But equally, I think now he's probably you know he's a little bit behind me on the trajectory of he's now got two kids, and your world definitely changes with that, and you sort of realise. So we're kind of looking to sort of distribute and ease out. But it's it's all actually 
manageable because we're now deciding to not spend time on things that we don't think are worth spending our time on and just focus on um, good quality stuff. And Dave, we work with you, you know, we, uh, you know, we work with you as um, on a monthly basis kind of consulting and you kind of give us that accountability thing that, that we give to clients on the two architects. And, you know, you've said so many times, like you're doing too much, you're stretching yourselves thin and, you know, focus. And uh, that's, that's really helping as well. No, but you guys are very organized. Um, and I can tell that you're not, um, that even though it appears like a lot, it's methodical and you're always approaching things in a very methodical way. Um, but I think sometimes it is tough to kind of work out, you know, what is worth doing and what isn't worth doing. And sometimes particularly when it comes to social media and a few other things, we can end up getting into a place where we do it in such a routine and almost like automated way that it ends up not working. Um, it's gotten to a point where it's not time consuming at all, but it's also not very good. So we have to strike that balance of going like, we do need to put a little bit of time into it, a little bit of personality into it. But at the same time, we don't want it to become like you're sort of saying a social media addiction. And it's not going to be the only thing that's going to do it either. Um, what you guys have always done really well is had a portfolio approach at all times. It's never just like one thing. And we're just hoping that that one thing, like mm. there are some firms that go, Oh, I just hope to God we win an architecture award this year because outside of that, we've got absolutely nothing on our plate as far as, as far as marketing goes. Or we really hope we get published in this magazine or we really hope we get a lot more Instagram followers this year because besides that, we don't have a plan, right? But you guys always have this portfolio. We've got different things kind of working together um, and, it's, and it's a nice mix and they all kind of complement each other. And I think... Part of that is also realizing that, you know, not every not every client is going to come the same way um, or they're not all going to be on Instagram or they're not all going to be podcast listeners. There's You're going to have to do a few more things to really reach people. And I think what drives your practice to do that is that you are aware that there is a big world out there with a lot of people and that you, you actually you need to make a bit of an effort to really reach people outside of architecture, right? You're always kind of strike me as quite mindful of people that aren't the typical people that are necessarily following along with everything that every architect on Instagram is doing. They're living, you know, normal lives. They're not obsessing over architects on social media necessarily. So, um, no, it's very, very interesting, but I, it's thinking about you only doing three and a half days. I mean, that's pretty mind blowing and that's three and a half days on BVDS including the time that you spend working on the business, not necessarily directly working mm. on the projects. So are you down to like half a morning from 8.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. on the <laughs> on the projects? And then and then the other the other three quarters <laughs> is like doing the bookkeeping and sending invoices and running the social media accounts? I mean, you guys are extremely... <laughs> okay. I would love to see your calendar. Well, I can, I mean, I've got a specific, we basically have targets of where our time gets spent and that is massively helpful to have that. So for example, I know like heading the marketing, I have three and a half hours a week on yeah. that. And, and I'm now more and more, I just take the approach of, um, you know, I'll be doing something like a podcast interview, say like this yeah. one yeah. and I go, you know, if it takes an hour or whatever, that's there's another two and a half hours to work on marketing. It focuses the mind because then it's like, okay, there's this other task that's going to have to wait till next week because yeah. we only have a certain amount of time. We can only give our time to things, all of us. And um, there's no point in expecting more than that because you're just going to run yourself into the ground. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So yeah. it's, it's very, although it's, you know, all this 
it's creative and the industry that we're doing and stuff it it comes from a very methodical yep. time measured approach which which i think works and no it's not just half a morning on <laughs> projects the, the number the number one thing is we're always reminding ourselves like we're we're designers we shouldn't we shouldn't be doing st you know your mind gets focused if like if you're spending all your time doing some sort of instagram type thing and you do or you're doing something that you don't enjoy like i hate twitter for example if i was spending all yeah. my time on twitter which i don't <laughs> i'd be there sitting there going why am i doing this if i'm not enjoying it it's not rewarding really enjoy yeah, exactly. sitting and drawing yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it's our practice. We can make this however we want it to be. If we enjoy working on projects and dealing with clients, that's where we focus our time. Yeah. So therefore we have to be even more organized and I have to be strict about that three and a half yeah. hours on marketing. Yeah. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. And and working with like the the full range of um, architects as as creative people and business people, you know, in, in what I do, I find that like a very common sort of... Um, trait that leads to success in like somebody will say these are my goals this is what I, I want to achieve or this is what i want my marketing to how i want it to improve or typically a client comes to me and says i'm not really doing any marketing i've just been letting it go completely and now i'm going to start doing it properly for the first time and for me often the thing that i makes me confident that they're going to be really really successful and that the process is going to work is are they like kind of tracking their time how like do they do they respond to emails from potential clients within a day or do they wait a week and a half to get back to people um are they do they use like an app to kind of keep track of what tasks they're working on or do they just kind of write them down in their mole skin and forget about them mm. do they have a calendar and i know this sort of stuff sounds it sounds almost like kind of condescending to to think about those like details but honestly i think most of the time that time management aspect of things is a, as a business owner is almost like significantly more important than the quality of like the marketing advice. Cause like I, we can, mm. we can get you somewhere on some pretty, I can have a bad day. I've not had my coffee. I've missed breakfast. I'm grumpy. I, my greyhound's been annoying me and I'll give you my best suggestions of what you should be doing in your marketing. I can throw out a few fives on a, on the wrong morning. Right. Uh, but if as an architect, you're like quite organized and you're quite um, methodical about how you're managing your time. And you know that, okay, these are my tasks. I'm going to get these done. I've got this many hours. It makes it, like the the difference between two firms over the long term of, you know, even 12, looking at f firm that's kind of all over the place versus one that's kind of got its stuff together 12 months down the track is like, it's night and day. And so I think, I think like part of, part of what works with you guys and enables you to do these things um, and put some time and some love into them is that the base of it is that you're actually kind of planning ahead, right? Is that the best way to describe it? You're kind of, we're, we're not just kind of letting each day go by. We're actually having a plan like next week, it's going to be broken down in this way and we're going to focus on these things. This is what we want to achieve by this point in time. Is that kind of the mentality that you kind of go into planning the future with? Yeah, a little bit. Um, definitely not week by week, though, because then that also becomes a lot of work for us, we found. Yeah. So we think more on a sort of monthly and then a quarterly basis, like every yeah. three months. Yeah. Um, and But a lot of the approach is, is currently, this is the time we're going to give to this. And um, sometimes some things are kind of less about what the output is or the outcome or the goal is. The goal is just to give that time to yeah. it. And that's quite 
hope because all the team is involved so i hope I'm, I'm in terms of the marketing and stuff so yeah. the time that i give is one part of it then other people as well um but yeah if, if then somebody's got a specific task within that and all they're being told is just give this time and give it a bit of love and that's kind of hopefully a nice way of dealing with something rather than I need you to have produced 50 images by Friday. Um, it's a different, and we need 10 everything tweets by before you can go home. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it, like the BVDS platform is, we sort of sometimes view it as this ever sort of a lurching forwards juggernaut and with just constant input, which is kind of nice and considered and stuff. It's only going to go in one direction. It's only going to be positive yeah but it's not going to help people if it's like we have to have this many posts out and we have to have achieved this many followers by then yeah. and yeah. target target based um but that you know that's because that's the kind of people we are and the kind of people we have in our team as well they're not going to respond well to that kind of approach i don't think yeah exactly right like you're not kind of like the taskmaster and just you know delegating the tasks that you're not interested in so that you can go work on the podcast while they have to like you know, queue up a thousand Instagram posts. And I think that's just really interesting because it does, um, I think, I think it's, uh, I think there are a lot of architects that are interested in having, like, how do we, it just seems so, um, it just seems so difficult to get to that point where you could see yourself going from all we're doing right now is just trying to keep up with the projects. We're just like, snowed under with with like how demanding these projects are in our time and the thought of you know carving out an hour or two to just sort of work on something that's kind of a bit of a creative or a passion project now maybe maybe the podcast is is kind of more like you said is more in that personal time category but but um even just working on something that is kind of a rich piece of marketing that isn't just marketing right it's it's something where it's about something that you're passionate about something that you're interested in it's going to really have an effect on people um that does take time you can't rush that right the same way you can't really rush your design process yeah so, like at the beginning when you know you you do do you find that you need to sit down for an hour or so and just like have a think about it and <laughs> like not rush yourself and it's kind of like a little bit similar um but yeah it is tough but do you guys sort of went through that process of, I guess at the at the very beginning, we always kind of organised and methodical, or is that something that you just have had to learn to do as the sort of the responsibilities have built over time? You mentioned having kids as part of it, but yeah. <clears throat> no, it's de it's definitely evolved and learned over time. We're by no means any kind of experts at this, or um, we're just where we're at now because because of that's where we're at now. Um, but yeah, when we first started, I mean, it was me and Ewald's and we were we'd swap between each other's living rooms as the office and when you're just sort of two mates that have set up we never measured our time and we just did stuff and you, and you it works kind of on a matey kind of basis and like oh okay you do that and i'll do this and yeah kind of feeling our way through <clears throat> and also it's, you're in a different place when you have got no projects to market as well you're in a different place <laughs> anyway um it's so much easier when you've got the stuff you know like you know so we've had some years where we're just producing so much work and constructing so many projects that we kind of spoiled for you know lucky to be spoiled for choice there and we're a very different place but <clears throat> we gradually kind of when we started becoming like five six i think we went up to sort of eight people at one point yeah then time becomes so more much more important because suddenly we're accountable to them and we definitely had phases where you know people in the team would be like where are george and ewald and why are they why are they sort of 
doing this a thing that we thought was important for marketing but to their perspective they're like they just want our support there on the project or yeah. to be by their side when they're dealing with a client and things and and that takes time to sort of find feet and we've spent too much time on marketing in the past and we've spent too little as well yeah. we feel like we've got to write balance but because the ultimate thing is always in an architecture practice i'm sure with most architecture practices is the the client and the project always takes precedent and it should because that's what you're doing but if it gets to the point where you're constantly putting off just even an hour a week on just doing some instagram posts or something that is counter effective and it's not productive it's not a great way of working there's always space for at least an hour a week or something like that yeah. and, and yeah we've we struggled in the past of we'd kind of give a role to people in terms of marketing that was somebody in the team but naturally they would always if the client ever got a deadline they'd always shift back to that and that thing would get put on yeah and then we'd like bring in someone external that would run marketing and and now we've sort of landed at the point where it kind of we feel it works better that we sort of run it and yep. distribute tasks and keep an eye on people's time to make sure that there's half kind of you don't want to leave people out of marketing because it's a it's also fun it's a nice kind of break from doing the project work yep. as well and it's a nice sort of it's a learning experience you reflect on well why are we doing this what's meaningful about what we've designed what's the message that benefits the work that we then do for the clients it's a yep. it's a kind of evolving circle um so yeah it's a lot of trial and error and and finding balance but we used to have this thing for years where we were we'd be anybody ask us about our marketing and it was a sort of source of pride like yeah we don't spend anything on marketing it's all word of mouth what you said that we, i can't even picture that yeah we're like bragging we about not doing that. any marketing <laughs> well no, not not doing just we don't spend on marketing you know people yeah. back in the old old i mean we're not that old for the practice, yeah, 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 but yeah. you know the yellow pages the yellow pages in the uk were still a thing um, when we were first starting and it's like you'd have to pay for adverts and that and we'd you know people would contact us and, and we'd be like well actually we don't we don't spend any money on marketing so unless it was like a free thing we would do whereas yeah. now we understand you've got to apportion certain um, <laughs> you know there's a there's you, you have to i love and that it's, it's not measurable either is it it's like yeah. it's long term you can't yeah. measure this stuff and go yeah. is it actually working or not it's, it. it's very tough just quickly on that um and, and we'll kind of we'll wrap up after that but do you have you gotten any um it's not measurable like what you've been doing with the podcast and and the other pieces of content that you guys have been doing i mean it's not like instagram photos where it's like oh how many impressions did we get this month it's not that kind of thing mm. but do you, have you gotten any kind of um qualitative feedback or has any has anybody mentioned anything to you on the client side like has it gotten to the point where maybe your clients are, have your clients been listening to the podcast or, or has anybody mentioned anything about the podcast to you from that perspective? Um, I think more so with the two architects when we're meeting people. Yeah, there. right. Um, okay. They're definitely like, oh yeah, we listen to this podcast. But actually I found it a more useful tool of, I'll be talking to a client, like often on the two architects, but also like BBDS, if we send a quote out or something, we'll often say, oh, you know, if you wanted to find out more, listen, we've got this podcast, you might find this. Yeah, right. And, mm -hmm. and, and sometimes you can sort of give a specific, oh, you'll love this project. Listen yeah, you'll love episode because <laughs> yeah, we yeah. want you to do this type of house. <laughs> so listen to yeah, that episode. Exactly. Or it kind yep. of tunes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but with the two architects, I've, I've definitely found like I'll be having a session with somebody and they'll bring up something going, oh, we love this project. And then I'm yeah. sort of sat there like, well, actually, I uh, interviewed that architect uh. and, uh, and they're like, oh, great. So it's a really nice um, 
the podcast is a really nice follow-up. Yeah. Thing. We don't sort of, we don't really shout about it that much on BBS, I suppose, maybe because I sort of feel a little bit coy about it because it's me, me, me. And um, so, but actually it's quite nice that kind of, it's very subtle, soft touch kind of follow-up yeah. thing of, oh, it, check check this out. You might like it. It's a good way. It, it actually kind of connects back to what you're saying about the Bowbird podcast and i think that this is something that is quite true when you use podcasting as a business that isn't like heavy-handed in the approach it's not like laying on the sale it's just kind of this is a good piece of content that you can you know you'll be out you know doing your grocery shopping and you'll be listening to me having a chat with somebody and it's very personality based and it's friendly and you feel like you get to know me and all that kind of thing um that it it's probably really works its magic in that kind of consideration phase when they're actually either have already contacted you, but they're in that sort of that early trust building part of the process, or maybe prior mm. to that where they're really very, very um, much about to embark on a real project, but they're just kind of warming up to you at that stage. And the fact that you might suggest that they listen to it actually might be one of the best ways, that you, one of the most effective ways that you promote it is to just literally go, hey, listen to our podcast to a small handful of potential clients. It could even be that that might not even build numbers of clients because that's not what we're trying to do here. But it's more about how how much can you influence maybe the way that they think by exposing them to different kinds of ideas. Does it, it it's something that you can use to try and actually improve kind of we're always looking to go, how do we improve the quality of the clients that we get or that we work with? And that maybe it becomes actually a really effective tool at doing that by just going. It's another way of educating potential clients or or exposing them to things that they might not have come across before, like different approaches mm. that other architects have had and things like that. So, I mean, in the same way that Bowbird's podcast was very effective on you, I can just picture it now, this podcast being such an effective way for you to go, hey, before we meet again, listen to a few of these episodes, this one, this one, and this one. And then they come back and then they're kind of perfectly molded <laughs> into exactly what you guys want them to be for the practice. You think I should start sneaking in some sort of subliminal messages. <laughs> if they play it in reverse. Yeah, like the Beatles kind of, uh, yeah, exactly. all is dead. Back, exactly. Play it backwards. And <laughs> That'd be great. All right. And, I'll, and I'll, one final note is I think you guys need a second podcast because you always like to have one of everything. I think you need another <laughs> podcast for the two architects where it is the two of you. Um, yes. And that's going to be the next project to work on. I really want that. I just um, need to... Get, convince Ewald. To, give, convince Ewald. The time to it the, all right. Well, you we'll know, come work on, on He's that. got a newborn baby. Well, you know... <laughs> <laughs> got to make some you got to you got to keep your eye on the ball the podcasting game is fresh we've got to get involved and then we'll be on clubhouse and then we'll be on tiktok that's what we're going to be doing for the firm in the near future i think george <laughs> no thank more you platforms, please. <laughs> no, more, no no there's always going to be more platforms thank, <laughs> thank you very much for coming on the podcast and talking about your podcast and i'm i'm going to do the outro and i'm going to tell everybody like exactly what they need to do to go listen to it uh, but it was a real pleasure having you on to talk about it. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to listening to more episodes as well. Well, thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. A real, real honor to be on as well. Thank you. Well, that was George from Bradley van der Straten Architects. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. If you want to follow George and see what he's doing, you can go to b-vds.co.uk 
or BVDS Architects on Instagram. You can look up another architecture podcast on your favorite podcasting app, or you can go to the twoarchitects.com. If you want to see what I'm up to, go to vanityprojects.com. You can see my past interviews, uh, read my blog, join my newsletter, or learn more about my services. If you've got any questions that maybe you want me to raise on the podcast with a future guest, or you've just got some comments or feedback, then you can email me at dave at vanityprojects.com. I would absolutely love to hear from you and make sure that you're subscribed to this podcast. I'm putting out episodes every two weeks at the moment. So subscribe so that you can definitely get them. And why not leave a review if you're enjoying it as well? I've literally never asked you guys to leave a review before, but I would really appreciate it. It'll help people to find this podcast. The architecture category is getting more and more competitive by the day. So that would mean a lot to me. Until then, thank you and see you later.